Hey there, this is Chase Hansen, your DFW Realtor, and welcome to the audio version of my monthly updates for the Dallas-Fort Worth area home and housing market. Since this is the audio from a video update, you may hear me reference a picture or graph from time to time. I do my best to explain what's happening in those visual pieces anyways, so hopefully you can still get the content, and you can always go check out the video on my YouTube channel, Chase Hansen, DFW Realtor, if you feel like you missed anything. That should be all you need to know. Uh, you can find all my contact info if you need any help with real estate needs on my YouTube channel as well. I hope you find this helpful. Let's get into it. Hey there, I'm Chase Hansen, your DFW Realtor, here today to give you an update on the state of the home market in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in North Texas more broadly. I'll be sharing the latest stats what our team is seeing on the ground working with buyers and sellers every day, and the important things that you need to know if you're planning to engage in the home market in our area. Before we get into it, go ahead and give us a like. If you're new to the channel, hit the subscribe button. I share a mix of local highlights for the DFW area, tips and tricks for people who are moving or thinking about moving, and market updates to keep you as a consumer aware of what's happening out there. If any of that interests you, make sure you're subscribed to keep up with all that free content coming at you. I'm gonna hit this in three sections for you. This is the new format I'm trying out. Let me know what you think of it in the comments. First, we'll talk about what I'm seeing on the ground as a realtor. That's trends that me and my team are feeling in the market. It's the big questions we're hearing from buyers and sellers right now. That's any and all changes that we're seeing in the marketplace. Second, we'll talk about what the stats say. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm going to bring you some graphs, break down what those trend lines are saying to us, and help you have an idea of where things are heading and what we're thinking about them. Third, I'm going to leave you with a pro tip, something that I know as a professional in the real estate space that I'd love for you to know as a person who doesn't necessarily swim in these waters every day. It may be relevant to the other themes we're seeing here, or it may be something more general that I think is valuable that isn't necessarily common knowledge. That's where we're going today. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the news on the ground, the word on the streets. What's new out there in the world of real estate? The last month and a half has been a massive change in the experience of the real estate market. Like, wow. If you were paying attention at the beginning of the summer, the beginning of this year, and then last summer too, you know that we were in one of the most extreme sellers markets of all time. It was craziness. And now as we enter into fall, things feel totally different. Houses are sitting on the market longer, there's not as many competing offers on houses, and a lot of sellers have even had to reduce their prices because they listed high because they had these built-up expectations from the previous crazy hot market, and then suddenly they find their house sitting on the market for a minute and have to come back down to reality a bit. And I think we all kind of need that. Let me give you a reality check real quick. First for sellers, then for buyers. Sellers, this is your reality check. You don't get to be king or queen anymore. You don't get to snap your fingers and have a cash offer for 30 grand over asking price and no inspection just appear with 10 other similar offers. The easy days of summer are over and winter is coming. You're going to have to take a market value a lot more seriously when listing your house. And we put a lot of work into that, at least on my team. We do the homework to find out what's sold recently, make adjustments, and bring you detailed statistics for what's a fair market range for the home and what the current dynamics in the market are. Your house may sit for longer than a weekend. In fact, it may be a week or two before you have a good offer in hand because things are just moving a lot more 
normal pace right now. Listen to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying your house is losing value. I'm not saying it's a bad time to sell. It's actually still a seller's market on the whole and a good time to sell. There's not enough inventory for the amount of buyers out there. So if your house is priced right for its neighborhood and the condition it's in, it'll sell. You'll just need to adjust your expectations away from the extreme place we were in and back to a normal way that the home market functions. Buyers, this is your reality check. Things in the market have gotten a lot easier for you, but you don't suddenly have superpowers. There's still more buyers than houses, and so you'll want to be strategic and decisive when you're looking because you don't have a week to decide how you feel about a place, and you're not going to get a discount for waiting. That said, you do have a lot more negotiating power than you did before, and there's a lot more room for offers at and around asking price. I'm predicting a lot less people will need to sign appraisal waivers or bring extra cash over asking price in a typical transaction. The reality is that housing inventory has gone up some because a lot of buyers have paused their searches with the increased mortgage rates. There's been some fear in the home buying world because consumers are wondering if rates are done going up and they're worried about the stability of home prices. Some people think the market is going to crash, so if they wait, they'll be able to buy then, or if they buy now, somehow they'll that'll leave them holding the bag, right? That's just not how this stuff works. Hate to break it to you, but this is not going to be the 2008 market crash. Things are totally different, and I've spoken about that elsewhere, so I won't get into it here. The most likely scenario, if you wait, is that home prices will continue to rise at a less extreme rate, and you'll just end up with less house for your money than if you'd bought now. My on-the-ground take. This last month, I've helped buyers get under contract at asking price with good results for our side of negotiations, and I've had a listing get five offers at or above asking price. The market is shifting. It's dynamic. It's not one note across the board. And that's why you need a good agent on your team helping you navigate it. If you're in the DFW area in North Texas, I'd love to be that agent for you. That's the word on the ground, our first segment. We're about to talk about some statistics, broader research numbers. But before we get into that, though, let me know in the comments if you agree with what I'm seeing on the ground. If you have any thoughts or opinions, share them below. And if you haven't already liked and subscribed, go ahead and do that. Now let's talk statistics. I brought a couple graphs for you today. And I'll describe what's happening in those and break that down as we go. Now, the reason I want to give you these statistics is to show you what I'm talking about experientially. So what I'm seeing out there with buyers and sellers actually does bear out in the trends and stats that we're seeing in the market. I'm not making this stuff up, and so you don't have to take my word for it. The first graph I'm looking at is at the home inventory numbers for North Texas. This is for the whole North Texas MLS, so all the listings out there, and it covers the way inventory has changed over the last three years or so. So we start back in 2019, and home inventory was much higher. You always see some movement over the course of the year since real estate trend tends to move with the seasons a bit, uh, but on the whole, much higher. Then, as we move into 2020, we see this sharp decline that continues into the beginning of 2021. We end up with like a third of the overall inventory at the bottom of that decline than where we started in 2019. To lose two-thirds of the housing market is insane. That's our version of not having any toilet paper left on the shelves. That's what COVID did that made real estate 
market go so crazy. We saw a ton of people who statistically would have listed their houses decide to stay put or refinance rather than go on the market. So the houses that were listed were fought over with massive demand because people still needed to move and you had interest rates at all-time low. So people saw the opportunity to have way cheaper monthly payments and jumped on that. And that's how we end up with the buying frenzy that drove the last two summers. So why am I talking about this graph now? Because we see another shift happening in 2022 where we had a sharp decrease in inventory going into COVID, we are seeing a similarly sharp increase in inventory over the course of this year. Now, we don't have nearly as much inventory as we had in 2019, around half, but it's gone up enough to begin to slow down that demand, and with mortgage rates rising to lower the buyer demand on the financial side as well, that's what's causing the slowdown. It's not a looming crash, it's actually just the market normalizing. The houses are returning to the market. Nature is healing itself. The next two graphs I'm going to look at are dealing with home price trends. This is important if you're waiting to buy a home. It's the reason I keep saying you're not going to get a discount for waiting. In fact, you'll end up with even less purchasing power the longer you wait. The wisest decision, if you can afford to buy a house, is to do it now so that you can begin building equity. This is what I'm looking at. This is a graph of the average sales price of houses in Tarrant and Dallas counties. That's Fort Worth, Arlington, Dallas, the bulk of the Metroplex, and it's over the last year and a half. Now, this graph may look a little confusing because trend lines move with seasons. You can probably see is that Tarrant County tends to rise at a more stable rate, and Dallas County is a little bit more volatile with the seasons. That'll actually be a lot more clear in the next image. Uh, but what the numbers say is that home prices has continued to rise through this year, and even as the market has settled a bit, where they land year over year is still way up. The next graph is the same numbers, but over the last three years rather than the last one year. And you can see the trend of Dallas numbers peaking in spring and falling in the end of summer. It's normal for Dallas. But year over year, it consistently rises. Now let's look at the 10-year chart. You see the same trends going up and up and up over time. In May of 2012, the peak of the average for that year, the average home price in Dallas was a little over $247,000. In July of 22. To 2022, the average home price for Dallas County was over $515,000. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Now pair it with one last graph from Keeping Current Matters. They're a real estate stats resource. This is their visual of information from a home price expectation survey of over 100 economists and industry experts. What they expect, and, and I agree, is to see a slower appreciation. That's the growth in home prices year over year but no one expects home prices to go down. These are based on December to December predictions. They expect an over 9% appreciation in 2022, 4.19% in 2023, 3.12 in 2024, 3.46 in 2025, 4% in 2026. Let's give this some reality. Put a front door on it. Let's ignore the 2022 growth. So act like you're making this purchase in December of this year. You're a home buyer in Fort Worth, Texas, and you decide to buy a cute 3-2 in South Fort Worth for $300,000. So that's where you're starting, $300,000.
4.19% appreciation in 2023 puts you at $312,570 a year later. 3.12 in 2024 puts you at $322,322 a year after that. 3.46 in 25 puts you at $333,474 a year after that. And 4% in 2026 puts you at $346,813. That's over $46,000 more value in your home four years later, or if you're waiting to see what happens in the market, $46,000 more expensive. And that's slow appreciation which would make sense as a reasonable correction after two years of extreme growth. But a slower rate of appreciation is not a reduction. Things are still getting more expensive. And so it's best for you to get in now, if you can, to ride that wave up rather than waiting to have less purchasing power later. That's our statistics section for the day, uh, our nerd corner, if you will. Give me a like if you thought that was helpful. Let me know in the YouTube comments what you think. Also, let me know if you think it was too much information, not enough information. I want to make these as helpful as possible for you in the future, so your feedback really does help. Our final section for the day is a pro tip. This is where I let you in on some behind-the-scenes knowledge for how things work so you can be an informed consumer. Today, let's talk about negotiations. I've mentioned a couple times today that the shifting market means more negotiating power for buyers. But what does that mean? What do negotiations actually look like in a home sale? Because I feel like we have in our heads that negotiations are like being at a market and haggling prices or sitting across a table and sliding a napkin with numbers or demands and shaking her head yes or no. Uh, we've been set up with bad expectations for what negotiations are. And when you take bad expectations into any situation, especially a big transaction like this, you set yourself up for failure. When we talk about negotiations, what we mean is the points in the transaction where you can make adjustments to the contract to better favor either the buyers or the sellers. It's just setting the terms of the contract. Now, each state has regulations for real estate contracts and real estate professionals. In Texas, that body is called TREC, the Texas Real Estate Commission. Now, if you're buying a house on the market, you have to use a TREC contract. So there are things that are required because the Real Estate Commission has said this is an essential protection that consumers need to have so they don't get stuck in a bad situation. Now, negotiating can't do anything about that, nor should it, to keep everyone protected. Where negotiations actually happen are in the terms of the contract. And this is something that I think will surprise most people. The majority of those negotiations happen before you're under contract not during the contract. So you don't start the process and then change things halfway through. You craft terms and come to an agreement before executing the contract. That's because an offer to purchase a house is an actual contract that you sign to submit to the sellers. Then when they sign, you are legally committed to follow the terms of that contract. So you don't offer 10 grand over to get your offer accepted and then try to renegotiate later because the sellers are not obligated to accept your proposals to amend the contract. It has to be something they find worthwhile to keep you from backing out when you're able to and that they don't feel like they could resolve by just going and finding another buyer. So before you're under a contract, you want to decide on terms you'd actually be comfortable moving forward with. 
That means sales price and down payment. That means how many days of option period where you get inspections done and have the option back out. That means figuring out who's paying for the title policy and the property survey. That means figuring out whether you're asking for the sellers to pay for a home warranty or to contribute to your closing costs. These are all factors that can be more or less attractive to either the buyers or the sellers. And if both sides can't agree, they're not going to sign the contract, right? So you want terms that are agreeable to both parties to move forward. The only things that you're really negotiating after you're under contract are the repairs and if something happens with the financing, so as a buyer during your option period, you have a home inspection done uh, and you have the opportunity to ask the sellers to repair things. Again, the sellers don't have to say yes. And during your option period, you can back out for any reason. That's what makes it a negotiation. That's typically where you have the most back and forth during a contract to come to an agreement. And then for financing, things like if the appraisal comes in low, needing closing extensions to get your loan finished, and if your lender required certain things to approve your loan, those are also discussions that would need to be had to move forward. At the end of the day, negotiations are about making sure both parties are comfortable with the terms to close the contract. So as an agent, Winning negotiations means coming to terms that my buyers or sellers are happy with. It's not about the other side losing. It's about my people being taken care of and making them aware of any and every red flag, benefit, option, and condition that they have access to to be protected and come to terms that they're happy with. That's today's pro tip, an overview of what negotiations are, how those work. Drop a like if you found it helpful. And let me know in the comments if there's anything else that you want me to explain in future pro tips segments. Thanks for joining me today. I'm a realtor serving the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area in North Texas. If you or someone you know are looking to buy, sell, or lease a property in that area, I'd love to connect and help you however I can. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at Hanson Realtors DFW. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Chase Hanson DFW Realtor, for more real estate tips and tricks and for local highlights from the DFW.